Welcome to the Beth and Kelly Show, a weekly Facebook Live conversation between Beth Fortune and Kelly Klingen. That's me. And we've made it into a podcast. Beth Fortune currently serves as Education Director at Wintergrass, the National American String Teachers Association Board, and Chair of the National Council for Orchestral Education. I currently serve as Education Director at Jazz Ed the Washington President at Jazz Education Network, and Jazz Curriculum Officer for Washington Music Educators Association. We have a platform, and we really want to leverage it for positive change. Please hit us up. Let's have a conversation, and uh, let's move our practice as music educators forward. Areas of focus. So we've built a team today talk a little bit about what's going on here in Washington State and we've got kind of every base covered. We've got some choral, we've got some band, we've got college, we've got general music, we've got of course orchestra um, jazz covered all um, schools, jazz. Yeah. nonprofits, <laughs> the whole so shebang. We've got, we've got a doc that just came out and it's kind of on the coattails of the national doc that just came out, mm-hmm. uh, NAFME. Um, and these are the new guidelines for in-person music instruction mm-hmm. in our state. And I'm sure that they mirror what's going on in other states too. Mm-hmm. So we're here to just kind of, as teachers getting ready to hit go, um, as teachers and students and people in an educational environment, we're getting ready to hit go. And um, we think things. We've been thinking things about this. And we have, we have, you know, the things we think are like, okay, how am I gonna make this work? How am I gonna make this work? And like for, for each of us, there's something different. It means something very different for each of us. Mm-hmm. So try to get all those things that we think out on the table today. Kelly, and I'm, am I missing anything here? No, that sounds good. I think um, we'll all introduce ourselves in yeah. a sec. Um, but also, um, I just want to echo what was talked about in the board meeting when this document was shared. And that is that, um, that it is not perfect, but it is a really, really important improvement on what was happening before and um, that this represents uh, basically a full-time job of advocacy. Um, And that the reality is this is the document we will be starting school with and and that it's not going to change before we have to use it with kids. Um, So I think it's really important that we talk about how we're gonna use it. Um, And uh, Carrie, why don't you start with the introductions? Yeah. Hey, I'm Carrie Rose. I uh, serve on the WMEA board as the Elementary East Curriculum Officer. That does not mean I'm the Wicked Witch of the East. (laughs) (laughs) That means that I work in Eastern Washington and repping the Eastern Washington folks. Um, And I teach K-5 general music. I used to, before COVID, also teach choir and orchestra. I don't know if those are coming back yet, but Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Liz, 
Hi, I'm Liz Harvey. I'm a student at Central Washington University. I'm doing a double major in oboe performance and music education. And I am our WMEA collegiate president-elect right now. And I'm super excited to be here and chat about all this guidance. It's very exciting. <laughs> and that leaves Jennifer. Hi, uh, my name is Jennifer Marin, and I am the WMEA Small Schools Curriculum Officer, and um, I teach at a small school down in Olympia that actually feeds into a big district. Um, so we're a K-8 school district, and um, basically I do all music, general music through band and jazz band, depending on, depending on the year. So yeah, just happy to be here and looking forward to talking about some of these, um, these things in this document today. And hopefully we can clear things up or make things, um, you know, less scary if that, if that is a thing for people and, and feel like the document is approachable and that there's a deeper understanding as we move forward. So awesome. So I'm wondering if um, some of you as members of the board could highlight some of the things that were basically untenable about what it was before. What, what made it so like impossible to do our jobs last year? Oh, well, I think distancing was the, the biggest issue even for small schools with small programs. Um, you know, and, you know, and then of course, scrambling to, to get proper PPE and, and where those funds were going to come from. And, um, it was just debilitating and, you know, parents and families were super overwhelmed with so many other things that it seemed like music just kind of became the, you know, the ax. <laughs> so that was pretty challenging for a lot of programs. Yeah. I would, I would absolutely agree. Um, my district went back full-time in person in April last spring. Um, so I lived the former regulations in person and I'm blessed with an, a, a beautiful classroom, um, but it was six feet apart for singing and a mask change. Um, the mask change is still there, but um, the little people handled it like pros because it's not as big a deal as it is to the adults. They're just like, whatever, no big deal. Just make it happen so I can sing. Mm -hmm. And so, but they all have to face the same direction. That was last spring. And, but also the distancing. And I know some of my secondary colleagues, some of that PPE was on back order. Mm -hmm. so they, they couldn't play till they got it. They were having class outside, but they were also Zooming and, and teaching in person. Yeah. So, you know, definitely last spring, we would like to, learn from it and move on yeah for real <laughs> for real yeah. yeah the distancing move to three feet in this new document is really important i mean that's um, i think that uh that verbiage is fantastic and there is also um verbiage that really solidifies that our classes must be allowed to occur, that these, uh, these guidelines are not uh, able to be used to cancel classes. Like our classes have to happen and we have to be able to use that. And the way that it's officially worded is really powerful and important. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm hearing a lot of gratitude about that. Um, so that must be a thing worth yeah drawing out, right? Mm -hmm. 
definitely. Right. The exact wordage is in bold in the document, and it says, uh, ensure that all students have access to their chosen performing arts course. Space constraints should not limit access to these classes. Distancing should be at least three feet, if possible, more of space permits. Um, and then it just goes on to say distancing of at least three feet is also recommended for outdoors. But I think, you know, just being able to say the distancing does not limit you from offering these classes for our students. Our students deserve the right to, to access music education in our spaces. Yeah, when I read that, I just put like a million stars and yays next to it because it's it really is powerful that they chose to bold that and chose to use the word choice of chosen performing arts. You know, these students really want to be there. They choose to be in these classes. And so it really matters that they're <laughs> putting that in the language that we're reading in the document. I think that's really special. I also like the um, addition of the wording regarding the masking and how that happens during class. And so um, I know that for instrumentalists, you know, it's like, do we have a, a, a mask with a slit? Is that required? And now it's like, we can actually just wear a medical three layer mask and then just pull that down and push that back up. And that just makes life easier when you're in the midst of, you know, having to order so many different types of PPE, if you're a band director, especially, um, or when, when player um, or a vocalist, you know, just having the hordes of kids that you might have coming through there and just totally stressing out about having enough equipment, um, PPE equipment. And so I, that was a, another really promising um, part of this document. And we're just, you know, hoping that these continue and that we don't end up, you know, going backwards, but for now, you know, staying on the positive vibe <laughs> for sure. Can we just pause for a second and uh, behold the ridiculousity <laughs> of banned PPE? Uh, Let's talk, let's talk about this stuff. Like, let's just talk about this. I don't want to derail Isn't this. Is it a shower cap? Can't we just get a bunch of shower caps and put them on the end? Can we just all yeah. play muted, you know? But like, what is up with like flute bags and stuff, man? Like, oh my God. Oh yeah. Like flute bags that are just on the head joint, but that like no aerosols would be escaping any other hole in the instrument. But, you know. I mean, I just think like some of this stuff is so redonk and like, like kudos to the people who entrepreneured that stuff and like made a ton of money in the last yeah. couple of years. The jig is but up. I am just like, yeah. I am just like done yeah. with that PPE. I am done with that PPE. It is done. Yeah. To like file a lawsuit against all these lost reads I've busted trying to get a read through my mask in rehearsal. Like, seriously. I mean, it's just like there's an element here of like, okay, like the the like devil's advocate in my brain is sitting here going, okay, well, how is this safe? Mm -hmm. And it's all so frustrating, right? Like, none of us want to have an outbreak in our classroom, um, you know, because we couldn't be three feet spaced. And, um, you know, I mean, I question whether three feet is enough right. for the variant. I mean, like all of us are like teetering on this edge right now of like, none of this is safe, mm -hmm. at all, period. But if it's gonna be this way, I need to at least be able to do my job. 
Right. Right. And like, it's just, it's like a battle with, you know, the angel over here and the devil over here. And it's like all the time, like me sitting there, like mortally worried that I'm going to have an outbreak in my classroom, but then being like, I just got to do my thing too. Well, right. I, so. I started thinking those same things, um, Beth, when I started looking at the performance guidelines, which was, you know, still promising in a way because it's like, oh, we can have a performance again. We can just have families sit together and, you know, three feet apart. But I'm curious if anybody has performed, because everybody's supposed to be masked while they're performing or, you know, their flute bag is supposed to be on. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, like, has anybody listen to a performance like that like where the saxophones yeah. are bagged and the yeah. flute is bagged and you know people are yeah. uh i have been to one you have okay recently uh -huh. a, a few weeks ago it was the seattle all city marching bands um performance usually they march in all the fair parades yeah. um this year they did a field show for the time ever and so we were at our old high school stadium at memorial stadium in seattle and all of the audience was watching like you would any other field show like a football game right yeah. and the kids had the masks on and they had bell covers and it sounded great awesome it sounded as great as bands ever sound outside and um and i'm actually missing uh garfield's little uh, thing for parents to do this show right now but it's cool someone will make a video I'm sure I can watch um, but that's outside as well so they've been doing band camp all week outside yeah um, and I think that's how like people bags and stuff with Are they what yeah with well not the bags just the little yeah. like the little mouse shower cap on the end yeah you know what how what do we call those I don't I might uh, my partner Scott had a not very becoming description for it. <laughs> Are we sharing it live? He'd be very upset. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's encouraging to hear, Kelly, and I'm glad yeah. you shared that because um, I was just really curious, and I don't know how that will translate to elementary band slash middle school band, where you know issues are issues all the time but you it know. really sounded maybe even better i mean if maybe you're thinking about like a squeak and squawk fest at an yeah, elementary true. school true like, i mean yeah. <laughs> uh it, it sounded like everyone was using bucket mutes which is a awesome. beautiful effect in, yeah. in the jazz world maybe we'll just retire totally bags fun. from now on for yeah. all performances but um The college world right now what's it like being a college student and performing and learning and all that stuff yeah it's really interesting i mean being in my i i got lucky my first year was relatively normal and then it was my second year that was covid college and it was interesting i mean we definitely started out using all the pp doing all the mm -hmm. guidance and slowly just kind of i'll be honest we just kind of slowly fell out of that because we found it didn't really work for us. I mean, bell yeah. for the oboes and clarinets who were losing notes because of it, you know, busting reeds because of the mass things like that, where we were just like, this isn't sustainable if we're really 
going to try to put on a live stream concert or things like that. So I think the big word is adapt, <laughs> so mm -hmm. especially like when you're living it. And then I think the one thing that I've been thinking a lot about on the music ed side of things is just the sad feeling of not being able to go to classes. I mean, my favorite part of being a music ed major is being able to be in a different classroom every time I'm home on the West side or have a break mm -hmm. for the weekend. You know, that's so special to be able to observe real time and to have that taken away was something that's really sad. And so I'm hopeful for the future. I'm doing my practicum in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited about that. And so, yeah, again, just like adapting to what's happening and keeping the passion for being in this field. Like, obviously it's something yeah. I love to do. It's something that I could have another pandemic and live through it and still want to do this, <laughs> but it's also hard. Like you have to, if you're not doing it every single day, like I was when we were in person and it's, you really have to find creative ways to be in it. I love that you brought that up because um, you're a student and you're also becoming a teacher. And uh, the other day I was thinking to myself, like, am I going to be able to even do this? And um, then, then I like started thinking about students and I know across the board, we are experiencing maybe, um, some more students dropping our classes or students leaving music more more so than usual right um and it's something that i think a lot of teachers are contending with right now and i was thinking to myself am i going to be able to even like get through this as a person like am i going to be able to do this and myself students must be thinking the same thing mm -hmm. Yeah. To be a student in music at this time is like, is Great. like, it's like paying on something that you don't get to have mm -hmm. fully yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yet for some kids, they don't know what the yet is. And it's just like, it's gotta be this like huge, like leap of faith, Liz, for students, especially students in college, like it's like it's crazy <laughs> yeah and something that's kind of been at the front of my mind with that being said is just like how many students really need music after this is over with i mean we're talking about students who are coming through this like major trauma mm -hmm. and to think about like i'm a special education minor and thinking about like i would love to have a classroom for the self-contained special ed classes and thinking mm -hmm. about like students like that who really need music in their lives after this is done with and so that's that's a big motivation but at the same time like i also need music in my life to get through this like mm -hmm. even if i'm thinking about the light at the end of the tunnel i think this is also like the train that's going to get me there so that's an interesting point that segues to the thing i'm really anxious to talk about um i feel so much better as a human being now that my band is playing gigs again Right, I mean, we're all artists also. We might not all be gigging musicians like I am, but when you lose your musical outlet to play music with other people, it, it is devastating. And then to lose it for all of your students and your career, it's like a double whammy. So yeah. I have been feeling so much better just emotionally 
um, now that I'm playing gigs again, um, which leads to this thing in the document about travel. Yes, yeah, so I'm so glad they're moving on to that. <laughs> um, this is that. the real hot button issue in the old secondary band world. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And um, my opinion has been shared on this topic a few times on the Beth and Kelly show. Um, but I do, on the one hand, love more than anything in the entire world, traveling overnight with students. These are the reasons so that I, I just love it. I love it. It's so much fun. It's so like fun. the best. It's the best. However, um, I also think that the way we have set up educational music to be like a sporting event right. is Wrong. unacceptable. We <laughs> and need to that's, the format. Yeah. And that's usually where we travel to, right? Our like competitions sure, and festivals. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder personally, if this is a moment, if we're having to pause on overnight travel, which is not in the document necessarily, but it, in Seattle schools, all overnights are shut down at this time. Right. Um, I wonder if this is a moment to reset some of our deeply held feelings as a profession about competition. Mm -hmm. And what if this is a way to start thinking about that a little more deeply? That's just my angle on this. I wonder what's going on in your all's worlds with the- I have a theory travel. on that, Kelly. I have a theory Ooh, on I that. Theories. Because, okay. It happened in March of the year before last, right? Like this yep. all started rolling out. That was when I know that I at Ballard High School was planning to trundle two different orchestras onto two different planes to go to two different coasts that spring for mm -hmm. of those uh, competitional setups. And I remember um, I, I went to one of the only conferences that still got to go on. Mm -hmm. String Teachers Association conference in Orlando. And I got notice from my admin that I needed to go ahead and get in contact with travel agent and cancel those trips. And I did that from the conference hall. I went out into the hall and called the travel agent and did that. And, um, you know, so that was March of a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And if we go through a whole nother cycle of no overnight travel, there's going to be almost no memory of competition in the student population. Dude, we're going to. And so then. Raise it out like you do the freshman your new year teaching when they're seniors. Right. It's like a whole new group. It's going to be right. like that. And then I'm going to plan Ooh. this like, I'm going to plan this kick butt trip to like someplace like New Orleans or hey, let's go to Alaska or hey, let's go to Hawaii, yo. Let's like do something fun. Let's pull out all the stops. We're gonna like perform. We're gonna do community service. We're gonna do all kinds of stuff. We're gonna learn with people. We're gonna culture bearers teach us and we're gonna perform with them. And that's what that's my big dream. 
So I'm secretly hoping, well, I'm not very secretly hoping because I'm saying it on a live broadcast. <laughs> it might actually be more convenient to not do a big trip this year to like have that still be off the table mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the, that theme. And I think that that theme of reinventing your programs as you know, um, we all mourn the loss to a certain extent of what where our programs were, and we've all gone through the grieving process. And I, I feel like, for me personally, now I'm on the like gung ho, I'm you know one year sober, you know, kind of track of like, okay, I'm ready to conquer the world again. And um, you know, so that I like what this idea, not only in travel but in the program in general of you know. Hey, let's let's really re- reevaluate what we have here, and and what are some of the habits that we've fallen into, or the traditions? The, the mm-hmm. trap of traditions is just so mm-hmm. scary to me. Um, personally, I'm not much of a tradition person, so you know, when a school really wraps their head around, you know staying with something because it's the tradition I feel like it's it sometimes can be a death sentence you know but um sure. you know I think moving forward it's so nice to actually feel like you have a little bit of a clean slate you have a district that's been maybe rattled a little bit and they're too searching to find a new normalcy and sometimes that can create some very unique opportunities that you would not have had if COVID hadn't happened. So, you know. Yeah, Jennifer, I um Yes. I that is why we started the Beth and Kelly show in the first place. It is. To have it is conversations with teachers about what how we could move the profession forward so that when we come back and have this opportunity to set new standards that we're ready to do that mm-hmm. and on the one hand i am sensing more t- music teachers being vocal about changes they'd like to see sure and I am reminded of that um, when Liz talks at our meetings, et cetera. And Liz, I would love for you to expand on that. But I'm also finding that um, I, am, I am continually struck by how many people in our field who won't even consider that what we've been doing all of these years might be a problem. Yeah. And I, I wonder, um, I wonder if that, same type of thinking is um is hurting our elementary school teachers you know I hear Carrie talk about basically being prep time for um, elementary teachers and and I'm reminded that even though I feel all of this fresh air there is so much bs that we still have to wade through and I would love to discuss that as well. That is actually part of this document. It's like just as important as this document. Yeah. Well, and what Carrie mentioned earlier about the access to arts and I mean, I think these things can be used when you sit on a bargaining team to take a document in that the Department of Health has published that says these things and you can you can use that wording in a very creative way with your bargaining team, you know, and, you know, as a music teacher, I've sat on a couple bargaining teams and it's eye-opening, mm-hmm. you know, and I was shocked both times at how receptive they were when they had a small 
you know, when, when I was a small audience for them to have to listen to, instead of being very distant and just sending an email with a bunch of documents. But when I was sitting in a very intimate meeting and I was pleading with them about what it was really like to be a music teacher and sit, then people started to want to work for those things and to get those things into a contract. So, you know, I know not everybody has the time to do that and I understand, but it, it sure is a effective way uh, at times. Being on a bargaining team or even like taking time to get on the phone with your building rep. Mm. Uh, I know I spent hours on the phone last year with my building rep, just talking through a lot of this stuff. And Mm. that building rep was taking that information directly to the bargaining team. And um, I think some changes were made actually in the original, you know, MOU that we made with Yay. That's how this document went from six feet, nine feet to six feet to three feet. Yeah. Right. Well, you know? Right. Carrie, tell us. <laughs> tell you about, I mean, whatever, whatever the heck you want. Well, I mean, being an elementary teacher is yes. amazing. I, I love my job and uh, I love the kids and I wouldn't change that for anything but some of the other pitfalls um, where my instructional time is tied to gen ed teacher planning time is is really hard and it was made really clear during the pandemic in a lot of the choices that were made and how I kids would access me that I was optional mm-hmm. um, that I, I was really just planning time. That's how I felt personally. I can only speak for myself in that regard. I know that I'm not alone. I have spoken with my building reps. I've spoken with my union reps. I've spoken with anybody who would listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, where my instructional time comes from gen ed teacher planning time. And I don't know the answer to get around that and the elementary schedule that's pullouts, push-ins, recess, lunch, and, uh, you know, how many specialized classes do kids go to? Should there be how many? How long are they? How frequent? Um, So we're working on gathering some data uh, about that and putting together a survey. So we're working on it, but it's going to take time. Do you think the verbiage in this back to school document can help the elementary school folks at all in that? I mean, it's great in terms of what we can do musically day in and day out because mm-hmm. there's not a ton of restrictions. You're three feet apart. If you're singing, you do a little mass change. Mm-hmm. Does a I mean, lot correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't, wasn't, the, wasn't what was happening to a lot of elementary folks that... Um, because of the space, because they had to take a full class of kids to be able to provide the prep time for teachers, the classroom teachers, that then it was just like, we'll send them all outside because there's not room for that many kids in this music room six feet apart. Is that part of it? Yes, or some teachers were told not to sing. Okay. uh, Mm -hmm. Because the district didn't want to pay for the masks. Mm-hmm. And we're told to do other things, but kids can't share equipment either. And if it's been touched, it has to be sanitized. This is pre this document right. has to be sanitized before anyone else touches it or it needs to sit for 24 to 48 hours. Um, but now, as long as the kids hand sanitize on their way in, we can share equipment. It 
it doesn't have to be sanitized until the end of the day. Um, so, I mean, I was spending hours with those friggin' wipes because yeah. it's because the kids can't touch them. The little people can't touch them. So I was doing that. I have colleagues who, yeah, they just took their kids outside to sing because they didn't have the spacing. Other teachers who were on carts, like cart to like taking a cart around to a gen ed teacher's classroom setting up with with not even passing time like this brutal abusive schedule is what it is i mean yeah. Yeah. you know i was teaching four 50-minute classes back to back without break because that's what the, that's what the schedule allowed so i mean no other teacher is doing that right without without having issue my team and i my the art teacher, PE teacher, librarian in my building, we're all really great together. And we kind of just said, well, this is six weeks of in-person instruction. We're gonna suck it up, we're gonna be good team players, and we're just gonna make it happen because it's what's best for kids at the end of the day for them to see our smiling eyes. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, and just make it a positive experience for the kids. In terms of this document providing talking points for that kind of real change i'm not sure that it does no i i think it helps in that it eliminates that feeling of it being optional i think a little bit more mm -hmm. yes maybe, maybe. But it does say in that bold the word that uses the word choice and so that has come up in their chosen music class. Interesting. That's entry, it's compulsory, right? Or, I mean, right. I get all the kids, but I know other buildings, the kids are pulled from their music class to do their whatever intervention or speech services or special ed services, which they absolutely need and deserve, and but not maybe not during my instructional time. <laughs> Right. And I get them once a week. Like, and so that's, I kind of went to bat a long time ago for my kids with those arguments. And so that's no longer the practice in my building, but it does vary, not just district to district, but building to building. Right. Carrie, right. do you feel like um, you yourself can pinpoint like where this is coming from? Do you feel like it is, and you don't have to, of course, say, but do you think it's like a, a group of people, like a mentality, or do you feel like it's it's administration down? Do you feel like you even know where to go to, you know, start pulling the thread? I mean, they're real tired of seeing my name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, there's, I think I just, we just need more people to speak up with their union. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really where it lies is in the union negotiations. But, you know, there's such a small number of music teachers compared to gen ed teachers. Um, even if all the music, PE, art librarians, we all kind of band together with the same issues. Mm -hmm. There's still significantly less numbers of us. But but do you feel like you have any support from your gen ed population? Because that's where I went was I started pulling gen ed people and putting them on my bandwagon, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and in my building, you know, I'm very fortunate and I've been in my building. This is my 16th year in the same building mm -hmm. and the, the staff in my building are incredibly supportive yeah. and I've been through six principals and I just you know, in, 
I turn them into believers. <laughs> um, I mean, I've got the spiel down pat. Just keep them coming. No, really. Uh, we hope to keep a principal for a while. Um, but I, I think, you know, what I see and what I hear from my colleagues is it really comes down to a building culture. Um, and and not all teachers are, are ready to speak up and use their voice. And we would need, I mean, we need everybody to kind of be that, hey, let's get on this bandwagon. And some teachers aren't, aren't ready to do that. They're not ready to speak up. They're, they're afraid of pushback and yep. they're afraid of retribution. Yep. They're yeah. afraid of losing their, some teachers are afraid of losing their jobs. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah. Uh, Beth and I went many a time into our principal's office in deep yeah. doo-doo, um, <laughs> worried that we would come out afterwards without a job. I mean, that is a real concern when you voice an, an, a dissenting opinion ever. But um, when you're uh, when you feel like your job isn't valued as much, then it's even scarier, yeah. I think. Um, I, I, I wonder okay. a, a message again to my building rep and my union who were in negotiations again today. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just working it when I, you know, when I can, but I need, I don't know. I don't know the clear answer trying to tackle it. From the, the, uh... general music in yep. school on the Kitsap Peninsula and uh, everything you're saying is true and I was like I need to get out like when you like when you opened up what you were saying you were like this is my calling I love it I love what I do but there's these caveats you know <laughs> totally. you have to be you have to like really make that decision um, it's tough. Teaching elementary general music is tough. Mm -hmm. And but also so important, one, for the kids developmentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And just they just need it and it really is a service. And then, you know, I get the joy of sending my kids off to my secondary colleagues and they come back they come back and they, they pound on my back door, which I love. But I'm also like, hey, I'm still teaching. Can you wait till three fifteen? Because I love you and I do want to see you, but not while I'm teaching. <laughs> uh, but but you know, I'm not gonna lie. I've I have thought many times about going back to secondary, which is where I started my career, and I landed at elementary on accident, and it was temporary. But I fell in love with it, and um, you know, I've applied for a couple of secondary jobs because that's where I've been. You know, I also thought deeply and looked seriously into leaving teaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother show topic too. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I, I feel every time I hear these things surface and, and all of the different um, configurations that every building and every district has and all of this just inconsistency in how a music teacher is treated in a building it's like, that's how I feel WMEA can start pounding at the door and writing some legislation that at least makes, I mean, we're paid the same as a, a classroom teacher is paid, but we're treated like garbage compared to, to that. I mean, that's a general statement, but, you know, to be abused and used that way and then, you know, but, oh, here's your paycheck, you know, <laughs> you know? And so I feel yeah. like we need to, 
somehow there has to be something in the future that says, as a district, you have to at least meet these requirements when <laughs> employing a music teacher. Like you can't just treat them like this, you know, you can't just have them teaching eighth grade science for a year because that's where you, your need is, you know, it's like. <laughs> they're I not a full-time sub for whatever yeah, you, you guys, The being pulled to sub is a whole nother issue. Right. Yeah. So, hey, hey, I teach credit retrieval. Okay, that is a part of the FTE credit yeah. retrieval. Okay, yeah. and you know what credit retrieval is? It's anything, know. That, it's anything that they want it to be. Wow. So yeah. I'm, I'm helping students. I'm helping students get their stuff together to graduate, basically. Yeah. Well, right. you are very good at that. That is one of your core competencies: is, is and helping kids get their poop in a group. It um, is. It is. I'm I. Not I am real interested in um, the fact that Beth and I were at the building we taught at together. Our colleagues believed that we and our program were treated better and more importantly than everybody else. So really like the opposite vibe. And it is true that our classes were scheduled first mm -hmm. and then the master schedule was generated around it. Yeah. Um, but that was because we taught 60% of the school. Right. The school it was us. purely logistical. It, it wasn't was logistical. Right. Um, and then, you know, yeah. we would pull kids out of the building for overnight trips and were generally pretty beloved. And so there was this feeling that we were like royalty in the building and we still felt like we got treated like crap all the time. So really it's just that music teachers feel like they get treated like crap all the time because we probably do because the expectation is so grossly different than that that our colleagues are held to but it's because also what we're teaching is um demands some right. things to be different sure. and i am thinking about liz sitting here hasn't even done the student teaching yet right what Going do you think it. now? Have the four of us made you want to go <laughs> to the potter? <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing is I like to say I'm a teacher freak of nature because both my parents are in education when I was growing up. They were both principals and now they're both at district administration level. So this is what I've lived my whole life. I don't know anything other than people being educators in my life. And I think that's a benefit for me. I think that a lot of my peers and a lot of my colleagues my age have no idea what happens with what you guys are all talking about right now with the administration conversations with bargaining and things like that. Whereas whether or not I was actually trying to listen to it, I came home to conversations about that all the time. And yeah. so it's a really interesting thing to, yes, it is scary to have to be a full-time teacher, meaning a full-time advocate, but also like there are just things that I've gotten to speak with, with my parents who, but for sure my mom's on a bargaining team. And so we've talked about things like that, where it's like just the representation of what Jennifer was saying about just like being there for bargaining. That means so much to administration. And so, yeah, I mean, again, being a young person who hasn't actually had to do it yet is scary. But I also think that if 
we have conversations like we're having right now and give young educators the access to and the tools the tools to like have these conversations at all because there's no there's no class on collaboration with admin or with school representatives I think the only thing that I have similar to that is in my minor track for special ed I'm doing a class that's like collaboration with the community or something Mm -hmm. like that where it's like but that's because I add an entire minor that has nothing to do with my ed degree or my music degree you know so like Kelly's saying just giving us the tools is step one (laughs) and then what those tools are maybe step two well why don't we speak from the platform of NAFME right now um we are an affiliate of NAFME you You are on the NAFME board Beth um, I am not on the, the, or the net can- orchestra, whatever council. But I'm, the, I'm the chair for the National Council for Orchestral Education. For that has too many words in it for me to return. I know it does. It's, it's long. You're board adjacent. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's speak on like, in terms of this is the platform of NAFME. Okay. Let's just like sit here and acknowledge that NAFME and all of its affiliates did some kick-ass work Mm -hmm. advocating over this last year and a half yes it's it's like they've always been advocating right always advocating now we're seeing it yeah now now it's like life or death kind of situation um and i know that it's put all of our organizations through the ringer staff are tired Okay, staff are tired at NAFME and at WMEA. Mm-hmm. And they, everyone's been working hard. So my hope, this is a call to all leaders out there in your MEAs, in your national association. <laughs> this is a call, like, let's put forward effort like we did for this mm-hmm. to change music education to bring it let's advocate it to bring it to that next level of being at the table to that level of being included to that next level of um i don't know i'd like to say humane working conditions because um and especially for secondary band folks Mm. like it's just like so many out of school out of you want me to do how many football games how many basketball games for what money that's well, another thing, you know, aligning it with sports and stuff like I get it. It's a big part of the American culture, having having a pet band and doing that kind of thing. But it's just like not humane. And can we take some of the stuff that we realized about ourselves when we were sitting at our dining room table teaching? <laughs> can we like take some of that and advocate for real change to make the music teaching profession more whole, if you will. Human. <laughs> Better words. Totally uh, good. You know, it's in our power. We're the people um, right now. Um, we, we're in a position of power and we, we, can, we can start these conversations in the places where we are, um, where our voices are a part of the Mm-hmm. you know what I mean word I uh I think that this document 
that we're talking about here that you know was advocated for so amazingly i mean seriously the way that it has changed mm -hmm. that was like a master class in advocacy yeah, yeah for reals i i want to see it used i want to see teachers pulling out verbiage and putting it in their back to school flyers i want to see um you know so our families really know yeah the rules are right right and and I want it used when principals say, no, you can't have that many kids because they need to be six feet apart. This document is to be used to advocate for your program. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, then right, there's like a chain of command. I think that's part of um, maybe why folks don't get engaged in this kind of stuff is because there are rules and we don't all feel like we understand them. I feel that way. Like even being on a board, I, I feel like I don't know the rules. I'm always accidentally breaking them because they don't make sense to me. And I just remind myself that those are gatekeeper problems and those are white supremacist ways yep. of thinking. And that I am a professional with an opinion and I and I get to say it. And, and so what we can do is after we advocate to our principal with this document and they don't respond, by fixing the problem and letting us follow these guidelines, then we talk to somebody else. Reach right? out to one of us. If anyone watching this program right now yeah. in Washington State runs into an issue, I know you can reach out. Yeah. I'm volunteering everybody here, yeah. but absolutely that you are willing to, For sure. to help brainstorm. I'm willing to write any type of letter that I need to and utilize my signature of mm -hmm. yeah and you know like and you have to release yourself of worry that like if you go above your principle or through a different mm -hmm. angle that you're going to get in trouble I mean we've got Absolutely. to advocate for our kids here mm -hmm. we got to put the kids first yeah, yeah. Kids first and you're not going to get fired no, right. One hell of a lawsuit on your hands, and congratulations, retiring at 25. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so there, there are exceptions, you know, within reason, but be a professional, have the tough conversations, have your research, but speak up because you know what? A lot of our kids, at least a lot of my kids, don't have an adult speaking up for them. Yeah, they need a voice, and you are their voice. Speak up and teachers team up okay team up if you feel scared to speak up by yourself team up with another teacher from your building or from your district and approach that way team up support each other in this um, yeah we're all going to need got a, like a really supportive administrator have them talk to your uh, colleagues administrators and they can have a little you yeah. know and Liz, I, I mean, I have some great administrators that I know that would come in and talk to a college, graduating college seniors or whatever that are entering the workforce and say, you know, this is how you come and talk to us as administrators if you are looking to get something done. And this is awesome. the way that we appreciate hearing from you. And I think hearing it right from a superintendent or right from a, you know, principal or an assistant principal um, would be really good for you guys instead of, you know, focusing too much on the negative and, and those that don't support it, but actually the success stories and having those administrators come in and talk to 
teachers that are starting in the profession, I think that would be really great. So absolutely. um, Yeah. With the collegiates right now, we're launching this new like happy hour thing with Kelly's partner. Frank is one of our big projects in this coming year. And this idea of bringing in diverse music educators to talk about real world, like personal finance, what it's like to actually be a music teacher Mm -hmm. and going to try to advocate for is even if it's not a music educator bringing in admins who can talk about these really real problems that happen contact me yeah absolutely that would do that for you guys that's a great 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 thing i mean jennifer frankly we would all benefit from that kind of um Maybe let's just do a Beth and Kelly show episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, an we actually really wanted to get a, a team of of admin for a show. Yeah, I did propose that as a conference session to have a <laughs> that's as, awesome as, as a have a panel that included um, principals and administrators that were not music educators. That would be uh, so good. But that it, is awesome. It, yeah, it, I'll just keep proposing until they say yes. Wait, what? <laughs> that's another Listen problem the right? jazz thing then it'll come through my purview there you go <laughs> oh, that's funny i actually don't know if that's how it works i don't either. i really don't understand the rules and procedures but we're gonna get there and then i'll just uh you know step in it sometimes because that's what happens um, <laughs> that's that's part of being human and pushing the envelope though is sometimes you really do step in it yeah and sometimes you really just have to step back and apologize and sure. make, and right you're wrong but mm-hmm. that that's part of that's you got to be willing to take the risk and that's just part yeah. of being human and and being a good advocate is like sometimes you really want to step in it and like, and like said, the kids need us to advocate for them the stakes are too high for them to do that right that's our job and whenever you're doing the right thing for your kids you're probably not going to step in it Mm -hmm. you know at least it was the right thing to do you might get in trouble but um you know especially when it's in the name of getting all of our students to be able to engage in music if that's what they'd like to do or maybe we can even get to a place where they just do it. It's not even an elective. (laughs) When I've had those tense conversations and I call big meetings where I'm the center and there are multiple administrators, you know, as long as I am doing everything I can through the lens of what is best for my students, it usually, it maybe don't get everything I want. I mean, there are always issues, but uh, nobody's mad at me. They might be frustrated because I'm making more work for them, but that's their job. So, well, and I think that the music educator is, is such an amazingly brave um, occupation. And I think that innately, as music educators, we we have more to offer in those tense situations than a lot of other teachers. I mean, we are used to being up in front of people. We are used to performing. We are used to handling that kind of intensity and and I think that we forget that we can draw upon those things that we already know how to do um when we have to meet in a situation like that and so I think love that that. I've never thought about that you're so right I think that we are really equipped as music educators to go in and and really advocate because of the the skill set that we have and I know that you know, I've had a lot of teachers come up to me, and even though I'm terrified to do some of these things, and they're like, oh, you just handle that so well, and how did you do it? And I was like, well, it's treat it like a performance, <laughs> you know, you just, 
you know, you are, you're performing and you're, you're, um, you know, you're putting out jumping in and hoping it works. (laughs) Yeah. And we think on our feet really well as teachers, but also as musicians, um, we have that skill set to be able to, um, you know, steer, steer clear of things and, and interpret and feel and, um, read people. And I think that, so many of us can can do this even though we might not have ever thought about doing it so absolutely yeah. perfect I love that. that totally absolutely uh hey gals it is 501 <laughs> and we're working for free on the beth and kelly show <laughs> but not for more than an hour that's right <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for having us thank yeah. you everybody great conversation thank you everybody so yeah. much thank you A million thanks to our listeners, followers, and subscribers. The support we receive monetarily and otherwise helps us to be able to spend time creating a quality product, and it allows us to tap into partnerships and resources to which we wouldn't normally have access. We are stoked about the journey of learning we have ahead of us, and we are delighted you've decided to join.